This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Arden, still brought to you by Wayface Industries. The good people. I mean, it's seven episodes in. You should know this by now. Previously on Arden. Do you remember where you were when you found out that Julie Capsom was gone? Pretty soon, it seemed like she was our next big star. She seemed to have simply missed a curve and plowed into a tree. Meanwhile, the police had their own suspect they tried to brand. She's seen by one old codger who used to live around here named Gerald Abernathy. I still say he knows way more than he lets on. Doesn't Gerald think Julie was abducted by the mighty skunk ape? Julie could get pretty intense, but not violent. I mean, swinging a tire iron at a guy who stopped to see if he could help. But when Gerald first reported the crime, he had Julie crashing a half hour later. The tickets to the premiere of Guinevere? She has a jailhouse chat with Abernathy. No lawyers present. She turns off the camera. Gerald's vanished. Potentially another victim of the Capsum case curse. All I ever wanted to do was help. That's all. Help. But the skunk ape got her. And we're back! Exciting news! We actually do have something this week. Yes! Thank you for enduring last week. It was, uh, it was a thing. But I like to think we came through stronger, better, faster. Wayface Industries hasn't turned you into the $6 million man, Ms. Bentley. They haven't, have they? If they had, I wouldn't say. But yes, a plucky listener sent in a tip, we followed it up, and by gum, it paid out. We love our listeners, by the way. We don't say that enough, but you guys rock. Cheers to you, listeners. Those folks who rate, review, subscribe leave theories, etc. You guys are the best. You're like family. Bringing it on a little strong. We're not going to invite them over to hang out. Don't diss the listeners. Thank you, listeners. Anyway, we're in Oregon. Following up a lead. Technically, we shouldn't be here because we need to be prepping for the premiere of Julie's unreleased film, Guinevere, but, well, we had to follow this lead. And it's just the two of us. A fun-filled camping trip into the remote woods. The open sky, the warm fire, the soft hooting of an owl. What's that, Bentley, you say, sliding closer? Just an owl, I say, because I've been memorizing bird calls for a moment just like this. Are you sure, you say? (laughs) Why, yes, It's just the two of us, because Rosalind has to clean up one of your cases. She's good at the P.I. stuff. She did not sign up for this. 
Especially not with the two guns at once and and using a turkey baster as a Should we talk about the Rainbow Family? Yes. Um the Rainbow Family is a group of essentially counterculture individuals who live off the grid in national forests. Kind of like the weird clones that kept showing up a while back, probably not related. What was that about? I have my theories, three to be specific. Please say alien clowns. Please say alien clowns. Suburbanites. Suburbanites? Across the country, suburbanites are feeling existential angst. Their country's divided, the economy's in shambles, no one understands how Instagram stories work, the American dream they were promised sucks, so they put on clown makeup. I saw it in American Horror Story cult. Your theory is American beauty meets juggalos? What are juggalos? Let's get off this topic. What is theory number two? Theory two is clown frats. Clown frats? There are clown colleges. Therefore, there must be clown frats. Nationwide clown frat hazing and pranks. General hijinkery. And number three. Yeah, number three is alien clowns. I knew it! On December 25th, 2007, somewhere around 11 p.m., Julie Capsum ran her car off the road and into a tree in the middle of Northern California's most desolate stretch of major highway, halfway between Eureka and Crescent City, California. One witness saw her pacing outside her car, but by the time the police arrived, she had vanished. While dogs picked up her scent headed into the trees, it disappeared in the middle of a forest clearing. What happened to Julie that Christmas night? How could someone that well-known vanish in the United States in the 2000s? And why has this case haunted us ever since? Each week, we'll explore a different part of the story and see if we can't untangle this web and find the answers. Join us, won't you, as we unravel the mystery on Arden. So what would you do if you ran into a bunch of clowns out here? Push you at them and run. Really? Aren't PIs trained in, like, stuff? You know, fighting? It's not a requirement or anything. Very little PI work involves fighting. But see, you were a cop. You had training. You could handle yourself. My strategy would be to ask them for a handkerchief, and by the time they finished pulling it out, we'd be long gone. The kind of quick thinking one expects from a PI. You realize we're totally foreshadowing clowns showing up now. Well, it's easy to have clowns on an audio show. No one even has to put on makeup. You ever been camping? Huh? Change of subject. Ah, gotcha. Have you? Yes. And? And what? Not everything has to be a story. Really? From you? Sometimes. Things just happen. Nothing's particularly memorable. You just spend a nice weekend out in the woods. 90% of the things that happen in your life aren't stories. They just are. Oh, great. Well, there's your big philosophical soundbite of the week. And I bet the editors include it. And they're going to include that, too. Damn it. I could swear I've seen that tree before. Oh, don't give me that look. I recognize that particular tree from... Just give me the map. Oh, right. Now you're going to say I was holding it upside down. Oh, no, no, no. You weren't holding it upside down. You were holding it sideways. There's no way our listeners will know if you're telling the truth or not.
Is that them? Yeah. Sounds like we're getting close. So, the Rainbow Family. Not a literal family. Metaphorical. A loosely affiliated organization of hippies living off the land in national parks and forests. Kind of a quasi-legal drifter life. You deal with them in your cop days? Occasionally. There have been a couple of stabbings at gatherings. Park employees aren't always too fond of them. Some groups are better than others about cleaning up. Some people think a Rainbow Family group kidnapped Julie. Or she joined them. Though, unless she climbed out of the clearing on an actual rainbow, that theory still doesn't answer everything. Think they're friendly? They're hippies. Why wouldn't they be friendly? All right. Let's go talk to them. Hi there, everyone. I'm... Holy f***! Clowns! We're not clowns. This is just Sun Festival. Sun Festival makeup. Great. Mind if I go get my friend? Who runs when they see clowns? A lot of people. Uh, you guys are the local branch of the Rainbow Family, right? Yeah, man. Living off the land here in Crater Lake. Who are you? Oh, my friend and I are here to interview you guys. Local story for the radio station, hence the equipment. With the way the world is, a lot of people looking to maybe, you know, live off the land like you do. Hmm. Cool beans, my man. Maybe in the chief's tent in five? Ten. She got quite a head start. So, you're not clowns. No, we are not. All right. I'm here with... Sprinkles. Sprinkles? Well, this is going out to the public, right? Don't want the man knowing my name, and I like Sprinkles, so... Hi, Wilhelmina! Damn it. Sprinkles. Yes. So you're in charge of this family? No one's in charge. We work together, sure. Somebody has to pick up the trash, share the mushrooms, or scare the raccoon pissing on the medical tent. But no one's in charge. This group is about, what, 20 people? Right now, yes. But that's because it's getting colder. In the summer, there's more. Back in 2002, there must have been at least a hundred of us living out in the woods. A lot of scared folks. Scared folks want to go back to basics, you know? There's a particular fellow we'd like to interview. Here. Yeah. Yeah, he's over there. Hey, man! Bentley? No. No, no, no! Wait. He's running! I've got him! (sighs) My God, Casey, do you train? I did track in college. I try. Full contact track? You'll never understand my East Coast ways. Come on, lady. Gerald Abernathy? I'm Bea Casely. It's nice to finally meet you. You're leaning on my pancreas. <gasps> Gee, it'd be great to have the boom of doom right now. Do you want to meet celebrities? Of course you do. I want to meet celebrities, too. That's why I got into reporting, to meet celebrities. <laughs> Andy, this is not why I got into reporting. Sure it is. And hey, you've achieved your dream. Congrats! What? I'm a celebrity, and you've achieved your dream by meeting me. Isn't it great? And now you too can achieve your dream by submitting an application to the Wayface Meet a Celeb Flight to the Stars. If you win, you, and a person of your choosing, will fly on a plane to an exotic location with two mystery stars. Who will they be? Will it be your favorite superhero? Your favorite musician? 
Your soon-to-be favorite TV stars of the TV show about that lovable, sheep-loving, tractor-eating, hillbilly, grunty McMurtry? Are you serious? He's the gruntiest of all the McMurtries. You're actually making this bad, dumb show? Sure am. I thought you pitched it all. No, when I discovered Hollywood respects money. It's wonderful. For the first time, I feel like people finally understand me, you know? So, hey, I may have bought a couple of production companies here and there. How much money have you put into this show? Just read the rest of the copy. <sighs> Wayface Industries cannot guarantee the quality of the celebrities you will meet. Please submit your reasons for why you're a good person who should fly in a plane with a celebrity to wayfaceindustries.com. Brought to you by Wayface Industries. The good people. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's been a long time, Gerald. No. Please don't say not long enough. It's cliche. It actually isn't long enough. I didn't want to see you ever again. Come on, man. I was the only one in the department who believed you. Miss... You can call me Bia. Bia. You seem like a nice young woman. Do you know this gal's police department pulled strings so I was portrayed as the murderer in that episodes of Cops and Lawyers? Are you serious? Oh, yes. You have any idea what that does to a man? I can't imagine. I had kids egging my trailer. My friends joking about it. Wears on a fella after a while, everyone being familiar with a version of you that's a killer. That's what they're going to think of you. That's what this gal and her cop friends did, because they didn't believe me. Gerald, you were drunk, and you said the skunk ape took Julie Capsum. You know, I've never been quite clear on this. What exactly is a skunk ape? It is what it sounds like. Uh-huh. I saw one once. I was 15 years old in 1968. Really? Do tell. This is serious now. I don't want to be laughed at. Sir, believe me, we have had far more far-fetched theories on this show Just have than a skunk. Just being laughed Sir, at. Sir, Gerald, I have been looking forward to meeting you for a very, very long time, okay? I can promise you. We are going to treat everything you have to say with exactly the respect it deserves. That sounds good. I like that. So I'm hiking in the backwoods of Sarasota. My pappy's gone ahead to make up the campsite. And through the shadows of the trees, I can see something. Then it stops. Skunk ape psychic, you know? But not in the way we think of psychics. I see. It turns to me. It gives me for all the world as fancy a nod as you get from the Queen of England. And then off into the trees. Leaving behind a scent I will not soon forget. But that was in Florida. Skunk apes and... don't just live in Florida, Bentley. That's sort of close mine and is it... 
Well, exactly what I'd expect from someone who thinks it was aliens. I know, right? You know, I met the actor who played me on that Cops and Lawyers show. He came by the trailer park to do research. Bought me a cup of coffee, though, which was decent. But do you know what he said? Do tell. He said that in the first draft of the script, you were the killer, Bentley. Wait, yes, what? please, do tell. He said that both of the kids were mixed up in a drug ring run by the cops. The boy was killed by L.A. cops, and that poor, terrified girl was run off the road and killed by your stand-in, Bentley. Easy enough for a cop to cover up a murder. But your department got wind of the script and came in with a bunch of lawyers. And now, in the minds of everyone who watches that show, I'm the murderer. And a lot of people watch that show. I didn't know that. You were written out after that. Erased. No one wanted to have anything to do with you. Is that why you went missing? Cops and lawyers? I didn't go missing. I just left. You've been listed as a missing person for the last eight years. People thought you had been killed by the Capsum Case curse. What kind of horse pucky is that? Well, a lot of people involved in this case tend to die. I didn't die. Bentley didn't die. You, miss, you're involved in this case. Yeah. You dead? Only inside. People die. It happens. You hung around for several years after Julie went missing. Why'd you choose that moment to leave it all behind? You watch the inauguration of President Obama, and then you just fall off the map. Why? Hope and change. You've got to be kidding me. Seriously. I thought that, you know. He was preaching that. Seemed like the world was spinning that way. I'd just had a rough few years. Even before meeting that poor girl, I was on a downward spiral. You did have a reputation. F*** that. I was in a bad way. It only got worse. But then I thought, why not just go? I didn't have anything tying me down. Not really. I could leave it all behind. Sure. For a while, I didn't even go by my name. People still knew it, you see. I'd get questions. Suspicion. I had enough suspicion. Of course. I think we can both understand that. I don't need you to. It was my choice. And now, Bentley, you've had to come wandering back in. We need to talk about that night, Gerald. <laughs> that night. Yep. You know I tried to have a restraining order taken out on you, Bentley. And failed. I never went and saw you after you were freed anyway. Never tried to contact you, so the judge said you didn't need one. But I knew you'd come crawling back I one need day. you. Right here, right now. To go on record of what happened that night. The night you were the last person to see Julie Capsum alive. It won't get out there. It'll be censored. No. We have someone on our side. Someone very powerful who'll ensure that it gets out there. The truth, Gerald. Is it in your contract to make Andy sound like frickin' Moses? No. But Andy will protect you from the people who want the truth censored. Just like Moses. 
And if I say no... In that case, I'll go to the local police, give them that photo, and take your missing person case off the book. Word gets around that you're alive. Maybe even word to the Capsums. Maybe even Mr. Poins. You're the worst monster of all, Bentley. A cop. Mm -hmm. Tell us the truth, Gerald. Tell us and be protected. Or you can just run again. If it were me, I'd be tired of running. Hmm. You know how old I am, Bentley? You said you were 15 in 1968, so you were born in 1953, which makes you 64. Nice number munching, Bentley. 63. Gonna turn 64. I'm getting too old to run. So why don't you walk us through that night? Leave out nothing. I don't trust Bentley. But I might trust you. You seem like a woman of your word. Is this Andy guy gonna keep me safe? I genuinely have no idea. But I will. Okay. Okay. Christmas night. It's a sad time of year, you know. If you're alone. My wife and I had broken up a while back. Made it even more lonesome. You got friends, though. Oh, yeah. There's um, Ace, Bobby, and Jim. Where are they now? Ace Bobby died in a meth lab explosion back in 2012. Don't know about Jim. Well, can't be too broken up about that. That's how Ace Bobby wanted to go. Maybe I'll see Jim one of these days. Even being out here hiding doesn't seem to keep the old days away. In your statement at the time, you and your pals got together at around four at Ace Bobby's place? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Bit of a drive for you, wasn't it? That's down in Eureka. Well, Ace Bobby was a good host. He'd have a lot of drugs, you mean. Dude can be a drug dealer and still be a good host. He and I, we saw some together, man. How many people were at the party? Fifteen? No, twenty. That part we were able to verify. I hate to have to ask this, but did you use... Anything illegal at the party? Nah. That, uh, unusual? I had a long drive back home. Fair enough. Bentley can tell you that. Gerald's talk screen did come back negative for any illegal substances. But you did drink. Pretty heavily. That I did. What did you have to drink? Definitely started with a few beers. Whiskey, probably. A little gin. Definitely hit the peach schnapps. Oh, boy. <laughs> Gerald was pretty lucky we weren't scraping him off the road. Hey, I was well-practiced in the arts of driving while intoxicated. I didn't have anywhere to be the next day, so why not have some fun that night, you know? So what happens next? Well, well, part of the evening's foggy. I remember a pretty good game of pool, and then Belinda gets real mad at Jim because Jim made a pass at her husband, and we probably don't need to hear about that. Yeah, that's not really relevant. Evening wears on. Party goes on. 
I have some decent bratwurst. Not really a Christmas food, I know, but it's what Ace Bobby has. When I said I wanted every They detail, were deer brats. I mean, freshly made. Ace shot it himself. Ace's hands were way too shaky to ever hold a gun, Gerald. You ate roadkill deer brats. They were still pretty good. So when did you leave the party? Did after ten. Were you still drunk? Drunkenness does not affect me behind the wheel. But you were drunk. I didn't hit her. Bentley knows that. Did you swerve to miss her? No. So what happened? Right. So I'm driving back. I'm drunk, but I'm not stupid. Roads are slippery, so I'm taking it nice and easy. Nice and easy. Wiggling a little, but keeping it right on course. And driving ahead. You know, like... <laughs> like that. Nice and easy. Okay. We're probably going to need to cut that uh, colorful metaphor out. Your listener's loss. I think they could all learn from something like that. So... You're driving slowly. Taking it nice and easy. When you see. Well, snow's coming down. I can't see too clearly. But I can kind of hear another engine out there going hard. I've slowed way down. Two cars going by each other on the road like that. Oh, that's a killer. But she never even made it that far. Just fishtails off the road. How fast is she going? Hard to say. I mean... All of you reported she was driving out of L.A. like a regular speed demon, but I don't think it was quite that fast. So you saw the crash? Heard it much more than I saw it. A fact he failed to mention to us when he called 911. Guy like me? I'm not stupid, Bentley, even though you cops all think I am. I knew you'd pin it on me if you could. So, she just slid off the road? Just fishtails it. One moment she's on the road, that car is roaring. Next, there's a big screech of metal and a crunch, and she's off. What's going through your mind at that moment? Basically just, oh, sh**. Do you think about just driving by? Of course I didn't. It's Christmas. How long does it take you to get to her? I slow down. Way, way down. Visibility is like nothing, so I have to be sure I can see her. But somehow I can feel it's a her. Don't know why, just feel it in my bones. It's a girl in trouble. Well, it takes me a few minutes. I'm worried she's gone into a ditch or something and I won't be able to see her. But there she is, right by the side of the road. What do you see? Well, it's a girl, all right. Real pretty young girl. And she's leaning over the trunk, which is open. Car fronts up against a tree, looks smashed. Did you recognize Julie Capsum? Had you seen any of her movies, anything like that? Nope. I didn't go to the movies that often. Certainly didn't read all that tabloid trash I found out about later. I certainly knew who her mother was. At first... I don't get out of the car. I just pull up nearby, ask if she needs a lift or anything. 
I figure I can get her to Eureka, drop her by a phone, she'll be okay. She adores me. Well, I figure she might be in shock or something, or maybe her ears are ringing. She doesn't hear me, so I pull over. It is cold as the bottom level of hell. Really not a good condition for her to be out in. I mean, she's not dressed for this weather at all. She just got a little jacket over a party dress. You describing that party dress meant we were able to verify it was Julie you saw that night. Well, I mean, it's a pretty memorable dress. It's like a sexy Christmas dress, all patterned with mistletoe and such. It looked real good on her. You notice that? She'd just been in a crash. You pulled over to help her. She's obviously in distress, and that's I'm what you... not proud of it. But you put a dress like that on a girl like that, and it's real hard not to notice. That's the point, you know. Oh boy, there's a lot I have to say to that. Just tell us the rest of the story, Gerald. I get out of the car, walk over to her. She's bent over the trunk like she's doing something. Not sure what. I ask her if she needs help. She ignores me. I ask her again. She glances over her shoulder at me, mumbles something like, Get away! Well, at this point, I figure she's disoriented from the crash. I can see a bruise on her eye. She's hit her head. I'm thinking there's no way this girl is going to last if she stays out here. So somehow I have to get her into the car and to the hospital. So I reach out to grab her shoulder. That's probably not the best thing you could have done. Well, I know that now. I was drunk and honestly a little panicked. And it's cold and I wanted to go home. But I don't want to just leave her out there, okay? It's Christmas. She just screeches at me to get away. She turns, grabs a tire iron out of the trunk and swings it at me. Something hits me. I I catch it. She's waving this tire iron around. Clumsy as hell and she's yelling, well not really coherently, just about how I should get away from her. And at this point you figure... Christmas be damned. If she's gonna be that crazy, I'll just drive to a phone and hope for the best. I don't realize how far away the nearest phone is. I drive until I can get a phone call out. By this time, an hour's passed. And I call it in. And that's pretty much it. I find the wig in the car. Panic, try to hide it. That's it. Are we done, Bentley? Can I go now? No. No, you cannot. Oh, man. Because we both know that's not the whole story. Let's talk about comfort. Comfort is good. Comfort is crucial. Comfort is crucial to being a good person, and being a good person is crucial. Andy, this is ominous. Just go with it. It's repetitive reinforcement. Okay. So what you want in your daily life is to be comfortable. And you know what's the most important thing that can make you comfortable? Your bed. Most specifically, your mattress. So many mattress companies try to do complicated things. Massaging mattresses, waterbeds, sleep numbers. You know I don't like numbers telling me how to sleep. I'm not a number. I'm a free man. But what Wayface Industries has discovered is far more simple. 
A solution so obvious it deserved to hit us in the face and steal our wallets. The Wayface Industries Pillow Mattress. It is what it sounds like. Replace your old stiff mattress with a soft, pillowy pillow mattress. Then lie down and sleep your cares away. Disclaimer, if you're unable to get up from the pillow mattress due to its extreme comfort and enviable fluffiness, uh, buy a Wayface Industries floor landing pillow set and simply roll out of bed into more comfort. Or simply live out your life in comfort in the Wayface pillow mattress like one of the more degenerate Roman emperors. Not good people, but they were very comfortable. The Wayface pillow mattress. Good sleep for good people. Brought to you by Wayface Industries. The good people. Well, maybe I don't trust you to do the right thing, Bentley. What is the right thing? The right thing would have been to leave me alone in the first place. I left. You... You're a detective. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not 100% certain on what job it is you do. I'm a reporter. Okay. Between the two of you, couldn't you put two brain cells together and figure out I wanted to get away from all this... Why can't you two just walk away? I have to know. We have to know. It was so long ago. Gerald, people have died over this. Other people are still grieving. And you've seen what it's done to this poor schmuck here. Hey! Just roll with me. Fine. So many people have been consumed by this case, and it's happening because no one knows what really went down. But you're a key If there's something you're not telling us that can help us finally put this case to bed, please, please help us. And if I do that, you'll let me go. You'll never see me or Miss Bentley again. Unless you want to. Hey, I'm just leaving the option open. Okay, fine. Tell us what you told me that night. Well, mostly what happened that night was you yelling at me, trying to get me to confess. I knew you weren't guilty. Then why were you trying to get me to confess? Because I knew you were hiding something. I thought it was the phone call. The phone call from the cabin? Gerald, did you get that phone call? Of course I didn't. My cell service in that area is No, Gerald didn't get the phone call. Gerald got a visitor. Who? Wait. Brenda threatened you with... Points? Was it Aaron Points? The Capsum lawyer. He visited me when I was in holding. And his name wasn't on the visitor roster, was it? You'd know that. I was being rhetorical. He asked me what happened that night. Offered me a big payout if I said that Julie said she was scared of some kid. Was it Ralph? He was there for what felt like days, trying to drag every single detail out of me. Asking if I touched her, what exactly she said, if I saw the blood, how could I leave her? Asking if I was sure she didn't mention she was running away from Ralph, how much neater it would be without the torso. And this is what you wanted on record. Huh? Uh, I was talking to my partner here. Yes. We needed to have Gerald testify on record that the captain's personal fixer and attorney tried to bribe him to cast suspicion on Ralph. And threaten me. Yes, that too. And that's all you wanted on record? Yes. Because it strikes me that Gerald here is glossing over something. 
What? You're trying to get blood from a stone here, lady. You said earlier Julia's screaming at you to get away. Why was Poins so interested in what she said? He wanted to hear if she mentioned Ralph. So what did Julie say? Did she say anything else? I haven't told this to anyone, ever. But amidst her yelling at me to get away, she says something like, I am awaited. What? I think that's it. It's not clear, but wait was definitely in there. Is that all? As I get in the car, I say something like, I'll call the police, tell them you're here, okay? Trying to reassure that I didn't mean any harm, that help would be on the way. But that just makes her more upset. And as I drive off, I see her run after me, screaming not to call the police, telling me not to call anyone, pleading. And that's why I didn't call right away. Why'd you change the time? Claim it was a half hour when it really was an hour? I felt bad that I'd waited. But at the same time, I could see it in her eyes. Even with all her pretty, ridiculous clothes in her fancy, fancy car, this was a desperate girl on the run. She wasn't disoriented. She knew exactly where she was all along. And she did not want to be found. I knew what that felt like. I definitely know it now. And part of me wanted to give her a head start. I hope she's alive. I hope she knows I did that and is grateful. I really did want to help her. Do you really think the skunk ape took her? Oh, yeah, I, mean, I could feel it out there in the night. It's been hunting me all my life, you know? I mean, it comes out of the woods every so often to remind me it's out there. And it was there. I could smell it, even amid the wet snow. You don't forget a scent like that. They don't leave tracks, you know. The skunk ate. It chased her into that clearing and took her. Well. That's why I'm out here, you know. The real reason I'm out here. To try to find it. The skunk ape? It was after me. And it took her. I'm going to find it and trade me for her. One of these days. One of these days. So Poins goes to see Gerald, tries to get him to pin it on Ralph. He won't do it. You think the Capsum family then tried to pin it on Gerald? He was the best option, but we can't make it stick. Because of you. Yeah. And we don't know who that phone call was to, or if it was important. Nope. All we know is that it wasn't to Gerald, because he's right. He had terrible service. He couldn't get a call or make one. But that phone call seems to have connected. With whom, we don't know. And let's not forget her last words. There's something there. I am awaited. That can't be right, can it? She's not the chosen one in a fantasy novel. She's a scared kid. I don't know. 
What I know is, Aaron Poins knows who burnt my truck. Oh, for the love of... We are closer to solving this than anyone in the last ten years, and you're thinking about your stupid truck? Let's just get back to California. We've got a long drive ahead and a lot to think about. Um, uh, thanks for listening. Remember to rate, review, subscribe. You really should have been saying that all along, right? Wait, uh, I'm getting a call from Pamela. Where the heck are you? We're in Oregon, and we're breaking the case. You're supposed to be interviewing Kale McPherson tomorrow at the premiere of Guinevere. Oh, crap! And we're in California through the magic of editing. And a stupidly long drive. I thought you were supposed to be interviewing me. That is our guest today, Kale McPherson, director of the long-lost Julie Capson film, Guinevere. I have two Oscars, you know. Yes, and may I say that Standing Casual is a modern American classic. Didn't you just win one Oscar for that? He also won Best Animated Short Film for 1992's The Dolorous Trials of Stephen Adams. And congratulations on that. Thank you. You know, I feel like the artistic mode of the short film is one that's often deeply underrated. Nifty. Kale, tell us about your film. Guinevere is the Tale of Jenny, played by your missing Ms. Capsum, a high school senior who feels different from her sad, plastic schoolmates. Uh Uh-huh. She feels like no one could understand her until a school bus crashes. Is she on the bus? No. The only survivor is a teacher, played by Matthew McConaughey. But he's crippled in a wheelchair, and then... Uh, They have an affair, right? Ah, I see you read the script when it was up on the blacklists. Honorary mentions. So it's a love triangle between Jenny, this teacher, and Artie, a foreign exchange student played by Dev Patel. Oh, we would have discovered Dev Patel. That's incredible. So speaking of your cast, I was hoping you could talk to us about Julie. How would you describe her? She was an actress. And like a good little actress, she did exactly what I told her to do in creating my vision. Because the film, you see, was a very emotional one for me. It it was about... 9-11, right? You're very perceptive, Ms. Bentley. It was 2006. Every American film was about 9-11. Bentley, we're not here for your hot film takes. But it was 9-11, filtered through a feminist take on Arthurian mythology, hence the title. McConaughey was a crippled Fisher King, much like America itself. So, uh, getting back to the lead actress in your movie... Which she was great in! And I'm sure you'll want lurid stories about her. But there aren't any. She did her work, didn't socialize with anyone on set, and that was that. And she was absolutely no help in getting it released. Well, now she is. May she rest in peace. Why did the studio sit on it? It was an artistic dispute over my vision and the length. That and McConaughey's contract didn't extend to all the reshoots we did. Though I think the impersonator we got does an almost better job. The length thing? The studio wanted 90 minutes. He wanted three and a half hours. Tell me the studio won. Nope. Aw, man. 
I see her coming in every day, Jenny, on either side the river lie, long fields of barley and rye that clothe the wold and meet the sky, and throw the field the road. Stop the by. movie! What the? Tower Camelot. She's just waiting in front of the projector room for two hours. Well, she nearly ruined my premiere. Shame, too. It's a really, really deep film, you know? It has so much to say about how American imperialism treats other countries. Oh, you got that? Oh, I'm so pleased. Uh, You talk to her. Bia? The poem scene. When Julie's walking into school. You saw it, right? I saw a good solid piece of indie cinema. Wait. You liked that self-indulgent male gazy... No, no, not important right now. We have to see it. Buddy, buddy! Leave me alone. I will seriously give you... 50, 70, 70 bucks if you play the poem scene. Then I'll leave you alone. Fine, but I'll have to be quick, okay? On either side, the river lie. Long fields of barley and rye that clothe the wall and meet the sky. Pause it! And right there! The... Brenda, do you see it? Uh, it's Julie. She's turning and looking. Play the next seconds in slow motion. Do you think this is CSI? This isn't CSI. Right there. Do you see it? I don't know where you're... The the upper right corner. He walks on. Do you see it? Oh my god. Oh my god. She turns to look and she smiles. That... and that smile! She's looking at... That's Ralph Montgomery. 2005, right? What? This film was shot in 2005. Julie and Ralph didn't meet until Halloween 2006. But that's him. Right there. And the way she's looking at him. She knows him. That's not possible. It has to be. Because I am looking at it right now. Next week on Arden. Oh, holy cow. Holy cow, you guys. You don't have to be a hype man, you know. I'm just excited, aren't you? Thanks, Andy. Good night, everybody. Arden is created by Emily Vanderwerf, Christopher Dole, and Sarah Golub. This week's episode was written by those same three people. Our audio engineer is Elizabeth O'Bear. Our editor this week was Linus Edwards. Our cast is... Michelle Agresti. Tracy Syed. Shannon Estabrook. Charlita Gaston. Benjamin Watts. Lindsay Zana. Robert Fleet. Lindsay Syme. Grant Patrizio. John Rail. Mia Drake. The score is by Christopher Hatfield. The logo is by Dylan Farr. If you're enjoying Arden, or even if you're not and want to drive us from the face of the internet, there are two ways you can do that. 
You can rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you found it. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc., etc. You can also look for us on Patreon, and you can toss us a couple of bucks there. That will get you access to special, exclusive episodes, other prizes, and all sorts of fun things. Tweet at us, ArdenPod, on Twitter. Our website is ardenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr. You can come and talk to us there if you really want to. As always, our craft services, including a gorgeous chocolate fountain, were provided by Robert Fleet. Come back next week for more adventures in Arden. Thank you. Good night. This is Tracy Syed, and I play Brenda. Hi, this is Michelle Agresti, and I play Bia. All of us here at Arden would like to thank you so much for listening. We're so glad you found our show. What helps more people find our show are your reviews on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews, the more new listeners we can reach. But don't do it just for us. For every new review we get between now and October 31st, we will donate a dollar to RAIN, the anti-sexual violence organization help us find new listeners, help those poor, ardenless souls find us, and help an organization doing vital work. A win-win-win. I see you're coming in every day, Jenny. On either side of the river lie long fields of barley and of rye that clothe the wold and meet the sky. Pause it! Right there! The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. It's the last days of summer. 1920. Do you know where your children are? They should be playing outside. Come on, Chelsea. Mima says we're not allowed to go to this house. We're not even supposed to be on the side of town. Doing their chores. Why aren't these chicken coops clean? Please, Father. I'll be good. I'll... Ah! Oh, God! Obeying their parents. You look me right in the eyes and tell me you didn't steal this bike. Ma, no, I've been helping Mr. Diamond, all right? Lord, don't tell me my son is working at a speakeasy. Exploring their feelings. Let's go over to the apple tree. Gosh. (laughs) Okay. But unfortunately for these young fools, the neighborhood bully has other plans. Tonight, you are going to meet me out in front of the old Barnaker house. Howling house? Why? (laughs) Now, a boy scout, a tag-along, a doormat, and a delinquent will dare to spend the night in the most haunted estate in Arkham. Will they survive to see the sunrise? Or will they succumb to the hunger of Howling House? You're going to die tonight. What is that thing? Is this this the witch's library? I'm going to kill you. Not tonight. Roger, make him stop. No, you watch. Run away, little ones. So hungry. Listen to the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program's award-winning season, Night at Howling House. The complete story, available everywhere you listen to podcasts, 
and at CthulhuMystery.com. All the all the outs and free. All the outs and free. <laughs> 